Hey Siri, play Jesus Take the Wheel. This is Ordet. Did you hear about this AMC Sightline program? Yeah. That's fucking crazy. <laughs> Honestly, I think everyone should just get A-list at this point. No, I think everyone should cancel that. I, I want to cancel my A-list. I would cancel that. mine. I definitely would. I wish I could, but it just makes the most sense financially. Yes. I don't know. Yeah, but movie passes back. Wait, it is? I got an email to join the uh to join. So yeah. how's it gonna work? I guess like it did before. So like, but it can't be ten dollars a month. I don't. I'm not sure the price. It's probably a little bit more now. But but will AMC fall under its umbrella? Probably, or I maybe not. Know. I don't. I don't know. Just, AMC is kind of the death of cinema. No, the- I, I I agree, <laughs> and I I think this new seat thing is really ridiculous. But like, if we live in a world where this is happening, I do think having a list is probably just the best thing. No because <laughs> other theaters won't adopt it because sightline you're gonna pay more for better seats so if the seat's in the middle you're gonna pay more than if you sit on the sides and you're gonna pay more yeah you're gonna pay less if you sit like right in front of the screen but so they're literally pricing people screen. out well i think that's the plan eventually i don't know no way but they're not doing it in la yet they're just starting in like new york and chicago or something so and then at the end of the year they're gonna roll it out wider so stupid but crazy and it's so annoying because, like, I never noticed this before, but I live, well, I live in Glendale. The AMCs near me don't get a lot of good stuff. I've noticed it lately because it's been, like, a dry few weeks. I'm like, okay, I've seen all of these movies, but there's this movie Close that I really want to see that's only playing, like, at the Grove. Um, there's a new Mia Hansen love movie that's not playing at AMCs. Of course like, not. I don't know. <laughs> Are you know. kidding? <laughs> yeah, I've had a bad week with AMC. Yeah. Hey, everybody. <laughs> Welcome to Seen and Heard. This is the Hi. podcast where two Hollywood assistants Hollywood. go through the sight and sound top 100 greatest films of all time list. I'm Greg. I'm Jackie. And we're back this week for some Carl Theodore Dreyer. Now, we do ping pong back and forth between the top and bottom of the list. We are still working off the 2012 list, but mm-hmm. is this film on the 2022 list? So... This movie, or debt, appears at number 48 on the most recent sight and sound list, the 2022. However, we are going off of the 2012 list because... We want to finish it up. We started the podcast when it was just 2012. And uh, on the 2012 list, it is uh, number 24. It's tied with In the Mood for Love. So it dropped a little bit, dropped about 20-something spots for the new list. Interesting. Like 24 spots. Uh, I feel like we have to do this. It's a little plug for our Patreon. We yes. do have a new Patreon. If you haven't seen it, check it out. We have a link in the show notes. And in addition to a very exciting bonus series we're doing monthly, where we kind of do, you know, stuff off the, a little more off the beaten path than our traditional fare, the scene and heard fare, mm-hmm. you could say. We're also offering, like, we have some free swag, we have Zoom hangouts, we have discounts on merchandise, and we also have polls to vote on the films that we do for the bonus episode. So if you haven't checked it out, we have the link right there in the show notes for the episode. Go check it out. We have a lot of fun and exciting stuff there. 
Yeah, uh, it's a fun place, our Patreon. It's very fun. <laughs> <laughs> but before we get into this week's episode, Jackie, what have you been watching Nothing. recently? That's not <laughs> or debt. Nothing. Nothing. I I've been really really busy. I I I genuinely I've seen one movie since our last week's episode. Well, there you go. That's something. And it was um actually because of this whole debacle with AMC cuz I really want to see Mia Hansen's love Mia Hansen loves new movie which i think is called um one fine morning yes it's called one fine morning not playing at any theaters near me and i was kind of bummed so i'm like let me watch some other handsome love movies because i only seen two and so i watched uh goodbye first love and the best way i can describe it is just a vibe i mean like i when you i don't know Sometimes you just need a French movie about first love. You know what I mean? <laughs> and it's really, really great. And it's just the perfect amount of sentimental. I think she's so good at this. Like, she's so good at just finding the exact amount of emotion. And I don't want to say exploiting it, but really like making good use of it. But never, never sappy. I've never seen anything sappy in any of her movies i've only seen three but but yet they all really hit you like they really hit you hard but it's never overly sentimental and i just think that she's so good at that um even this one like it's about first love you'd think it's gonna be this like i don't know gushy thing but it's it's great and then of course the last of us i have been reading actually um this book called my year of rest and relaxation have you heard of it from 2018 yeah i've heard of it i haven't read it Moshfell is her name the author and it's really it was described by the la times as the feel bad book of the year and it's kind of true but it's also like really fun to read and addicting and like has this wicked humor it's about a girl who wants to sleep for an entire year and she like mixes this concoction of pills to like try and get herself to sleep for a year but like if you're a cinephile there, she makes so many references like she references like klaus kinski and uh dogma 95 in it like she she's clearly someone who likes movies which is very cool um cool yeah it's a it's a cool book Fun i should read book. more <laughs> it's a it's a really easy read what have you been watching um a lot <laughs> <laughs> nice i saw the bogart movie high sierra it's him and ida lupino and uh it's really good it's good in that pulpy way i think it was his first leading role although oh. ida lupino is built above bogart nice. um, but it was good and i guess the director raul walsh who's the guy that did the the original thief of baghdad from like 1924 it's his film and he remade high sierra like five or six years later as a movie called like colorado territory or something he like made it into a western but he remade it interesting uh with joel mccray wow yeah haven't seen that yet though although on the criterion disc it has that as a extra so the movie yeah it has the whole extra movie are you serious yeah sometimes they'll do that i like when they do that cool um i saw (laughs) a film called boarding house which was uh a super low budget shot on video horror film from the early eighties with some friends. I had some friends over for kind of a bad movie night and it's, it's distinction is it's the first shot on video film that was released theatrically. Cause they blew it up to 35 millimeter print and like showed it. Oh my God. It's, you know, <laughs> it's uh something. Um, 
you know, it's it, uh, if anything, it's like a reminder of what you can do with nothing and just like some imagination and some always nice. gusto, you know. Um, and then I saw I saw the nun. <laughs> so that's like the Conjuring. Before, yeah, it's a spinoff of the Conjuring Two, where the the nun is introduced. And I like the first, mostly the first Conjuring, but the second one's pretty good. Third one was not good. Um, and I'll see. I've seen maybe one or two of the Annabelle movies. So like, I'm like, are they related? They well, they all just kind of take place. They all spin off from the main Conjuring movies. Like oh. Annabelle, the doll is introduced in there, and the nun is introduced in there, Ooh. and then they spin off to their own things. And I saw the nun, which came out a few years ago, and people ripped it apart. And it's not great, but like, I liked it a lot more than I thought I would. I watched it with Molly, and we actually both enjoyed it because it has this thing that's not really done anymore where it felt like a hammer film it felt like um mario bava gothic 60s thing and it's just like fog and shrouded people walking around castles with like candles and like you know it's kind of a dumb movie but uh, i appreciate that they still make these like gothic chillers in that yeah. tradition actually did not hate it had a good evening with it nice uh, with, with zero expectations and just kind of threw it on on streaming but that's what i've been watching are you sure? Do you want to talk about anything else? There's, <laughs> I can see I, it I can't, in your face. I don't want to talk about everything I've been watching because it's just too many How things. How many movies do you watch a day? I try to watch one a day. This past week, did you watch one a day? Basically, yeah. Really? And if I missed a day, then I watched two in one day. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah. How? I think it's important. I think it's, I do too. Because but I don't feel right at the end of a I day if I haven't seen a film. I totally get that. I feel the same way, but sometimes it's hard during the week. Agreed. I mean, you're busier than I am, especially <laughs> right now. Let's the kind of, you know, we'll go on vacation sometimes. We like stay at an Airbnb where like maybe there's no TV or there is a TV, but there's like no internet or whatever. And I'll, we'll be there for like a few days and like I'll start to feel really out of it. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, what's wrong with me? I'm like, oh, I just haven't seen a movie in like five days. So yeah. like, I, I need to do it. Same. preferably once a day a great day i watched like two films that's but. lovely and i felt the same way which is why yesterday when i was watching ordet i was like yes dryer yes come on <laughs> um but yeah that's my segue into talking about this week's movie yeah should we just get into it i mean i, I already gave the segue so. <laughs> from 1955 this is carl theodore dryer's ordet <laughs> Or debt, or the word in English was released in 1955. It was directed by Carl Theodore Dreyer, based on a 1925 play by Lutheran priest Kai Monk called In the Beginning Was the Word. Cinematography by Henning Benston. Music by Paul Schierbeck. Ordet tells the story of a Danish farm family, the Borgens. The religiously devout and elderly father, Morten, has three sons, each dealing with a religious crisis. The eldest, Mikkel, is an atheist, despite having a pious wife, the adored by all and very pregnant, Inger. 
Johannes, the middle son, suffered a mental breakdown after studying Soren Kierkegaard and is convinced that he is Jesus Christ reincarnated. Anders, the youngest, is in love with Anne, who belongs to a different, more conservative religious sect and whose parents don't want him for their daughter. While trying to convince Anne's father to let her marry Anders, Inger goes into labor at home. There are complications and the baby dies while Inger just barely survives. Just when they are convinced she is out of danger, Johannes strides in and says that she will die if they continue to refuse to have faith in him. Sure enough, Inger suddenly dies and Johannes runs away from home. As they are getting ready for her funeral, Anne's father comes to call on the family, apologizes and gives his consent for the marriage of Anders and Anne. Just as they are going to put the lid on Inger's coffin, Johannes returns. Mikkel and Inger's daughter asks her uncle to bring her mother back to life. Johannes asks for the power to do so, and Inger rises from her death. As she embraces Mikkel, he proclaims that he has finally found his faith again. The film stars Henrik Malberg as Morten Borgen, Preben Lerdorf Rai as Johannes Borgen, Birgit Federspiel as Inger Borgen, Emil Haas Christensen as Mikkel Borgen. Dreyer first saw Monk's play when it premiered in Copenhagen in 1932 and had been writing notes on it ever since. Uh, but this was not the first adaptation of the play. There was a Swedish film adaptation in 1943 by Gustav Molander. Monk himself tried to write a script for a film version of his play, but it failed to take off. Dreyer was never really a financial success, but the Danish government knew he was like this true artist, essentially. So they gave him a lifelong lease to the Damor Bio, which is an art house cinema in Copenhagen in 1952. Like they just gave him a theater. How nice is that? That's what you get for making Passion of Joan That's of Arc. That's the thing, though. Like, it's so interesting that he was never really a commercial success, but everyone kind of knew he was this genius. Yeah. It's incredible. That doesn't happen nowadays. It's true. <laughs> and so the profits from the theater paid for the production of this film uh, through Palladium Studios and backed by the government-run kind of cinema center, the Donsk Culture Film. Monk, the writer of the play, had been killed during the Nazi occupation. He was actually martyred for speaking out against the Nazis. And Dreyer features his grave twice in the film. So that big cross that they drive by when they're going to Anne's house and back, that's actually where they found oh, Monk's cool. body. Yeah. Wow. His, that's his um that's his grave. His resting place. That's his resting place. And the scenes that weren't shot at the studio, all the country exteriors were shot in the village where his parish was. Because he was a he was a priest himself, the writer of the play. Um yeah, and the actress who played Inger, her name is Birgit Federspiel was actually pregnant. Oh, wow. And she left the film to give birth, and Dreyer asked her if it would be possible to record the sounds of her <gasps> labor pains for the movie. Those oh, were the actual noises God. of her giving birth. I thought, I was like, that sounds pretty Incredible. genuine. Yeah. yeah. And she obliged. Like, Matt, I, I tried to think about it too. I'm like, because I thought about it, I'm like, that's so badass. That's so cool. But then, at, like, just, I tried to put myself in her place. I don't know if I'd be cool with it. It's very personal. Yeah. So personal. But then again, like, if I was playing the role, why not? It's the most genuine sound that 
can, can come. Yeah. Uh, and the way that he shot this was so interesting. So he spent all day choreographing camera movement, blocking, setting up lights, rehearsing with the actors. And then he shot a single shot a day and like two or three takes max. No shot list, no plan. Just every day was like one shot. And there are 114 individual shots in the whole movie. And half of those are the first scene and the last scene. Yeah, yeah. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. 114. I'm pretty sure my short film has more than that. Yeah. Um, well, I wouldn't know. I haven't seen it yet. It, no one. Ha- I haven't seen it yet. Hey, let's toss over, a, toss over an assembly cut. I, I, I will when I have one. <laughs> his, this was his first film to be an immediate critical success since The Passion of Joan of Arc. And unlike Joan of Arc, this was also a financially successful film. Uh, Danish and international audiences loved it. It won the Golden Lion at Venice. The Bodil Awards, which are like the Danish Oscars, it kind of swept them. Best Actress, Best Actor, actually tied for Best Danish Film for their own like Academy Award equivalent, which is interesting. So there's an online community called Arts and Faith. And it's just like a free community you can join and there's like articles and they're all about like movies, but like cinema, cinema movies about faith. Like it's not like, not like Kirk Christian Cameron. propaganda. Yeah. yeah, no, it's not like that at all. It's like what actual Was that movie Fireproof cinephile. or whatever that was called? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and so this movie, Ordet, stands at number one for spiritually significant films, according to a 2020 list on this website. Wow. Can I read the other movies in yeah. the top 10? It's really interesting. Yeah. So it's Ordet, Andre Rublev, The Tree of Life, Babette's Feast. Um, number five is Of Gods and Men, Silence by Scor- Scorsese is number six. Number seven, The Kid with a Bike. Number eight, Do the Right Thing. Number nine, Ikiru. Number 10, Diary of a Country Priest. Wait, do the right thing. Do the right thing. I'm confused. I think it's just it, it's just a really interesting list. It, I mean, do the right thing. Oh, sure, like, like from a moral standpoint. Yeah, I don't think it's specifically like. <laughs> hmm. I think they are Christian, but I think it is more a spiritual kind of list about yeah, like right and wrong and morality and. Um, I knew Tarkovsky was going to be number two, but it's interesting <laughs> yeah. that you you're doing Bubbett's Feast for the film, for club. film club. The actress who plays Inger is in Bubbett's Feast. I didn't know that. Isn't that crazy? I haven't watched it yet. And um, <laughs> but then I started going down a rabbit hole of this list. Do you want to hear other interesting movies? Yes. Seventh Seal. This is not in any particular order. Night of the Hunter. What? Oh. Wow. Yeah. See, that's what I huh. mean. It's kind of like it's a right and wrong type of thing too. Um, Sunrise, Song of Two Humans, Spirited Away, La Ventura. That one tripped me up. What? La Ventura Wait, is interesting. Wait, what? I can put, we can put a link to this list in the show notes. Yeah, let's do that. Check it out. <laughs> um, Vertigo. What? That one I'm confused about. A Serious Man, which is, I get it. Three Colors Blue, Magnolia. Oh, because the frogs is biblical. I guess. Yeah, and Fiddler like- on the fiddler on the roof <laughs> so it's all like movies about i guess spirituality faith. kind of religion faith and like morality but it's a really interesting list i n- had no idea it existed yeah wow i didn't know until just now yeah <laughs> uh i also just want to say some as some background here that dryer he was adopted Aww. and his he was named after his adoptive father carl theodore dryer okay and his mother's name was inga or Aww. inger 
And also one of the great sort of, you know, how uh, Kubrick always wanted to make a Napoleon movie and he never did. Dreyer always wanted to make a film about Christ and ne- never did. Until now. Until now. <laughs> Until 1955. Um, yeah. So it's so weird because usually I know if you like a movie or not because we, we log it on Letterboxd, but we have decided to stop doing that. And I have no idea if you like this movie, Greg, and I'm trying to read your face. I'm trying to read. I really can't tell. You can't tell. So tell me. I mean. I right now on the record I'm going to say I think you didn't like most of it. Why do you think that? I'm curious. We've never done this before and I like this. Grump, I don't know. Because I'm a little grump. You're a bit of a grump. Wait, why don't you think I liked most of it? Because you like I don't think you're wrong. I I talk about this in my initial thoughts, but I think you think it's just a little too much. I think it's a little too much for you <laughs> and I think it's not enough kind of i don't want to say despair because there's a lot of despair in it but i think it's just a little too much for you and it ends just a little too happy for you (laughs) those are my predictions well jackie since you asked uh i think it's a masterpiece yes i'm so happy (laughs) i will say this was my first time seeing it oh my god wait can i just say i'm so happy like a part of me this is a miracle in and of itself this is it wow i'm really happy i want it to be wrong I wanted to be wrong. Um, first of all, how you dare you? You did so well. You did such a good job. I just Academy had a poker Award. face. I had a poker face because we should. It should be more of a surprise. I like this surprise. Uh, because usually you do come over and while we're setting up equipment before we even record, you're like, oh, so you didn't like this one, huh? Or like, <laughs> so we almost have like a brief conversation then that we try to save for the show. So I let's let's do it now. Yes. Like, I didn't know what you thought about this either. I still don't. Well, considering, <laughs> judging by your reaction, I'm sure you loved this. Go ahead. Um, I hadn't seen this before and it's a big one. You always hear or dead or dead or dead. I'm like, I don't know what the fuck that is. Someone's, I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> so... Uh, I like Dreyer for the most part. I love, as if you've heard our episode of, on Joan of Arc, I think that's, uh, like most people, one of the great films and mm-hmm. certainly prob- maybe maybe the greatest silent film mm-hmm. ever. And, um, or I should say film from the silent era. Yep. I'm not big on his film Vampire. Did Me you ever either. end up watching that? I did that? see it actually. And I was trying to think because I, first of all, I forgot it was him. Like yeah. while I was doing this episode, I'm like, wait, I've seen that. I don't remember it. I don't it's, remember much from it. It's unfortunately made. And I just made, watched it like this year. Yeah. I, I mean, I've seen it twice because I'm like, I should love this movie. Why don't I love it? And I've seen it twice. And I think that film was made at the cusp of the sound era. And it just feels clumsy. Mm-hmm. When I started Ordette, I actually thought the first 20 minutes or so felt really stagey. You could tell. Uh-huh. I didn't know anything about this movie uh-huh. going in. I didn't even read the synopsis. I was just like, it's drier. Uh-huh. Press play. And... If I could tell immediately it was based on a play and from the first like 20 minutes, it was like not in a good way, but then obviously something happens and you get so wrapped up in these characters and their plight and even coming from like, I'm not religious at all. I didn't grow up religious and a lot of the the negative reviews I saw in Letterboxd were like, they all are. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, why do I want to watch a film about God or like, mm-hmm. first of all, how close minded that you can't, you know, see a film about someone else's beliefs and like you know what i mean like it's just it's so close-minded yeah. to be like yeah i don't believe in god so like if this film is like yeah pro god then like i don't want to see it mm-hmm. um so, so coming from a non-religious person but kind of growing up around it i really really loved just the dynamics of the family and the 
and the the people on the farm against the rest of the town. And it's funny because I had a friend who grew up uh, very Lutheran, very strict Lutheran. And I remember at a certain point he like changed churches. Like he was, he was like an adult or just about an adult. He like just went to like a different Lutheran church and his parents like flipped out. That's crazy. And so it's again, it's the kind of yeah. thing here where like they're both Christians. I know it's just so crazy. Yeah, yeah. So I, you know, I definitely saw that happen firsthand. But like, no, it's it's an incredible film, and I think, look, I, I could see how someone could not like it. I could too. But I think it's just so emotionally powerful, incredible, and I don't think in like a manipulative way mm-hmm. either. I think it mm-hmm. earns all of it, and the ending. <sighs> I look again. I'm not a religious person. I don't believe in God. I wouldn't say I'm atheist, but I'm definitely. I've leaned more towards like agnostic. But um, was very moving. <laughs> the ending was very cry? moving. So I didn't cry, but I did that thing where like your face kind of scrunches up, yeah, <laughs> and like your eyes get watery. Like that. Oh. That happened because how could you not? How imagine? could you not? Um, but yeah, this is. I almost gave it the full five stars on Letterbox, but I was like, hold on, hold on, like let's. Let it simmer. I'll watch it again in like a few months. Then maybe the five stars can come then. But look, this is uh, really, really powerful stuff. So, yes. (gasps) How about you? (laughs) (laughs) I had two modes, okay? I was like, I'm ready to defend this movie. And then I was also like, yay, I really hope Greg likes it. So I don't have to defend it. You had all this ammunition saved up. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So... Just a testament to the ping pong. One, you're doing Babette's Feast this week. I just, I need to point that out. Two, the actress who plays Inger, uh, Birgit something, uh, Birgit Federspiel, probably pronouncing that really wrong, um, is in that. So I'd just like to point out ping pong. Not only that, but on Monday night, so I watched this on Tuesday. Monday night, it was my grandma's birthday. And she comes over and she's telling us stories like about her childhood, essentially. And, um... She told me a story about how um, she was born in Lebanon. She was born and raised in Lebanon. Um, How her brother, her youngest brother, died when he was a baby and was like dead. Like her parents believed him to be dead and like went to the cemetery. He got poisoned from something and he lost all this weight. And then he looked like a skeleton. Apparently this is what she's saying. Okay. And she tells me he was dead. Like my parents thought he was dead. We went to the cemetery and she's a little convoluted. Like, I don't know exactly like what to believe, but she claims that the baby was wrapped. Okay. And they were, they're at the cemetery. She didn't give me details. Was it the funeral? Was it like an undertaker? And she says, like, her dad said, let's just leave the baby wrapped up <laughs> and walk away. And if it starts crying, if he starts crying, we'll know he's alive. And sure enough, that happened. My grandma told me wow. this the night before I watched this movie. Wow. Which is just like, what? The stars aligned. Ping pong. <laughs> ping pong. Anyway, well, that doesn't have anything to do with ping pong, I guess. But does. just the stars aligned. No, but aligned. that's what I'm saying. What are the odds that we're watching a movie <laughs> where that happens? I watched that the next day and wow. she tells me this story. First of all, what the hell was going on there? What? How? Anyway. Wow. Um, initial thoughts. So that was my initial thought. I'm like, um, 
very confused. Was that in the, in the 30s? 30s or 40s? No, she's a little younger. I'd say it was the 50s. Oh, okay. She was already, she's about like nine years older than her youngest brother. So I'd say it was the 50s, but still. Wow. Yeah, that's incredible. <laughs> what? Yeah. Um. Anyway. So the first few moments, unlike you, I love the first few moments. Like I saw the first few moments and like that moment where it pans to the bed and then pans back. I'm like, oh shit, like this is going to be good. <laughs> but I, I knew it was based on a play and yet I still like those first few minutes. I'm like, okay, yes. And that's what I meant when I was like, yes, daddy dryer, like, please, I need <laughs> movie. And so when it happened, I was, I was very, very happy. Give me real um, cinema. <laughs> unfortunately, the ending was kind of spoiled for me because I worked on our website. So if you guys don't visit our website, please visit our website. <laughs> I work really hard on it. We both do. Um, so I had to update the picture, right, for the website. And I have no idea what this movie's about. And I just chose a picture that I thought looked interesting. Sure enough, it's Inger, like, in her coffin, but awake. Oh, so I'm sorry. So I kind of knew the... No, it's okay. But here's the thing. I kind of knew what was going to happen, but it didn't matter. It did not matter. And like you said, I can see, like, this is so explicit in its subject matter. Like, it's impossible to talk about it as anything other than a movie about faith so i get it like if you really aren't interested in religion at all like i totally get how you cannot like this movie um but it's about how like weird and mysterious it can be and i i love it about that and even though it is really like christianity centered i do think it's like uh, like it could speaks be to a larger to a larger be- just about yeah. faith and humanity because the sects aren't named and named in the film no they're not so it's just it's kind of a broad like yeah 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 um i think the middle kind of meanders a bit you're right where it's like the beginning like 20 minutes yeah the opening i really loved but i think the beginning 20 minutes and it's like it's so just about religion and nothing else really i mean yeah they're like subplots but really it's so about religion that somewhere in like especially when they go to Anne's house i actually love that that's really? that's where i got invested really yeah. that's so odd because i did as a kid i had to my high school girlfriend was like a year younger than me and to take her to prom i had to go ask her dad and like go to his house and he was a complete asshole to me and like oh. intimidated me and stuff and so i could relate to going to like the father and being like can i ask your daughter to the dance like oh. so actually th- from that moment on i was in it Wow, that's so interesting. No, like it meandered just a little bit. But then, of course, like that really deliberate, deliberate long birth, like that works incredibly well. Of course, the funeral, the deliberate long stretched out, that works really well. But kind of in the middle, I get it. Like it, it, it's a little, there's a little bit there that's kind of. I think for me, I just. I don't want to say boring, but I'm, just. Go ahead. I, I just needed tension. Yeah. And in the beginning, the only tension is coming from uh, Johannes, Johannes yeah. being off his rocker or but, or the second coming. Yeah. Um, but w- as soon as there's that like, oh, he wants to marry the daughter. And uh-huh. then and also just the the two different. That's when the two sects like yeah. rear their heads. Uh-huh. And like as soon as that stuff was put into motion, I was like very invested. Yeah. So my point being, even though, yes, I could totally see how someone could get bored with like the really repetitive cinematography and that like kind of middle part, it doesn't matter. Like that, that, that last 40 minutes is just like, <laughs> I I can't describe it. It it was, uh, it was otherworldly. It was really <laughs> otherworldly to me. Yeah. It, and I really needed this, honestly. That's great. Yeah. That's great. Um, 
those are my initial thoughts. It's great. It's fantastic. It's so good. Um, you know what's funny is that like for the first hour, maybe I was like, oh, is this like the fourth movie in the Silence trilogy by Bergman? I have a note that, yeah. that literally, and again, I t- <laughs> I wrote this in the first twenty minutes, but I have a note that says two stagey question mark Bergman perfected this kind of movie. <laughs> So but of I wrote course, it too soon. Of course, this is like the antithesis of the silence movies. But it reminded me a lot, like um, through a glass darkly, a lot. This kind of like really dark despair, these loud exaltations. Like it really reminded me of that one a lot. Um, of course, yeah. This is this goes against everything from the silence trilogy. But I think that it's just so fascinating that me and you, for example love both like that just in and of itself talks about how weird and interesting like humanity and god and faith is that we love both the silence trilogy and this movie yeah it's just beautiful (laughs) it's beautiful to me yeah it's stuff like this that reminds me like people's spirituality can be like a really beautiful thing yeah and just the duality of humans that both work for us yeah yeah i don't know i loved it yeah um what should we talk about first i mean where do you even start with this i haven't no i don't know why i started with like the cinematography on this one because i just feel like it's such a like hot topic yeah let's talk about that because i I, in the first 20 minutes was like this is not this is very flat yeah and of course as it goes on you realize that it's this immersive storytelling style, right. these long takes for the camp. But the camera's doing more than you think. The, the camera's thing, yeah. tracking along and like moving. and It, it mostly does pans. Mm-hmm. So the way I kind of thought of it is like, he's not moving us through the scene, right? It's more like, it's more guided theater. It's like, yeah. it's, it's pointing you exactly to what you would be paying attention to if this was a stage, right? Yeah. And I thought that was so neat. There are a few tracking shots, like when Anne's family comes, I remember. That one really, it tripped me up because I wasn't expecting it when they're walking forward and the camera st- slowly starts to pull out. And then, of course, like... um Another tracking shot is thing that reminds me. It's when, when they arrive at the uh, the other congregation when like yes. the the cobbler or the sorry the, the tailor, tailor is do, is giving his sermon That's and the camera kind of tracks shot. down it's the congregation. Cool. That's really cool. They also do it again during Inger's funeral when they're all singing. Oh yeah. And then no, yeah. but like the pull the slow pull out when yeah. the first time you see Inger in the coffin, right? Yeah. And it's silent <laughs> and they're lighting candles and it's pulling out. Oh my god. I know. It's incredible. It's really incredible and I think it's this I think like to the the stark high contrast cinematography too. Like everything is so inky. Although I did notice I watched this on the Criterion channel. Mm-hmm. This film is in Me need too. of a restoration. Yeah. Because I noticed Criterion doesn't even have a Blu-ray of it. They have a DVD. And watching the print on Criterion Channel looks kind of beat up. Yeah, Like it needs right. a fresh coat. Of, they need to go back and rescan it and stuff like you that. You should but, write them. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure they know. I, <laughs> they don't need me to tell them. To, you know. Link this episode and write them. <laughs> you should. Greg and Jackie say, please restore or debt. I love... Um, yeah, like, like I said, I love the opening, how it's like, oh, he... Uh, Anders goes in his father's room and then uh, Mikkel's room, the door opens and all that stuff. And But I, I noticed, like, I think I do love the pans the most, the ones that reveal something. Yeah, like, yeah. for example, the bed being empty. Yeah. Or, like, I'm obsessed with the one where 
um inger and the dad are talking and then you see inger's face look at some like someone has just entered and of course it's johannes and it like turns like this yeah what about the candles when johannes lights those candles and he leaves the room but then it turns back to the candles and it's yeah and then they they move the candles what's with all of these directors back to back like inventing film grammar well, I wouldn't go that far for this film. Well, no, but I do. Because <laughs> it is think, 1955. No, I, I understand. But I just think that this is such a specific way to shoot an adaptation of a play. Like, I think yeah. it is so in line with it. And it's like, yeah, Brayson would probably watch this and be like, that's film theater. But I think that it's beautiful. <laughs> this and film is better than anything Brayson has ever done. Theater. Yeah yeah <laughs> well no one interesting thing too is the house that they're in is kind of like yeah kind of like long mm-hmm. like horizontally long mm-hmm. and so we get a lot of that house shot from the same almost like the audience's point of view right, right? Exactly. but later in the story especially when inga is like sick the camera then moves like uh what is that 90 degrees mm-hmm. and is shooting it the long way like yeah. from one side to the other and oh it's like God. It mixes it up. You and have a few 360 shots too. Yeah. What about when their daughter, when uh, Mikael and Inger's daughter is um, sitting on Johannes's lap and saying like, and he's telling her like, oh, you know, like your mommy's going to go to heaven and it's like circling and oh, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. incredible. It's so good. But you know, like compared to Joan of Arc, I noticed the first close up in this movie is really when Inger is sick, right? And it's just like, it's not even that close. It never gets as close as anything in Joan of Arc. Mm-hmm. But it was it was so interesting to me how I, different they were. I'm just now realizing the contrast between the two movies. Joan of Arc so, is all faces. All faces, all close-ups. This one, the first one comes in, what, an hour in? And then there's there's not really that many. No, there aren't. At all. Yeah. I did notice that in the first 20 minutes, it was bothering me a little bit. But that then there were no close-ups? Yeah, but then, of course, you know, you get into the flow and it's for a reason. And then, of course, like, if you think about the last scene... When Inger's hands start to move, like that wouldn't work if he hadn't already established this like long shot grammar that yeah. he's using, right? Because it it's monumental worked. when he cuts into her hands. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Ugh. yeah. Oh my <laughs> god! I can't wait to talk about the ending. This was one of the most moving endings I've ever watched in my entire yeah. life. This was one of the most. Yeah. I don't want to talk about it too much, but <laughs> yes. it changed me. I think it hey, changed me. That's great. Yeah. I love that. I know. It, I, I think I would agree that it is one of the most moving endings I can think of. Yeah. It's not manipulative because no. I've seen some that are. Totally. And this one's not. I can't wait to talk about it. Okay. No. Well, let's wait. Let's wait. Let's talk about um. Let's talk about Johannes a little bit. Oh, <laughs> that guy. <laughs> it's like I appreciated having him there, but also you just want to like blow him away. He's really <laughs> creepy though. But don't you just love how he's like, he walks like a zombie. Yeah. It's so creepy. And there's this chill in the air and there's this like awkward feeling with everyone in the room. I love the priest, how weird the priest gets around him. I love that when the pre- the new minister first yeah. meets Johannes and Johannes does his little thing and then yeah. he walks away <laughs> and the minister literally says, that's appalling. Yeah, literally, we'll talk about that minister. <laughs> but it's just so palpable how everyone feels and they don't even have to say anything. And yeah. the echo of when he says, amen. Oh, In yeah. the beginning? Should we hear it? Yeah, let's play it. Amen. That echo. Like when that happened, I'm like, shit, here we go. <laughs> and the wind. Mm. Oh my God. The howling wind. It's almost like I'm going to bring movie. that up later. What? Ha- what's up? 
I said it's almost like I'm going to bring that up later. Hey, you're cheating. <laughs> um, but I love, I love when he's like, when Morton, the father, first of all, it's just so weird. It's so simple, but it's so complicated because Morton tells Inger that he prayed for someone to shake things up. He prayed for this prophet and someone literally, that's what he says, to shake things up. And in my mind, I'm just like, yeah, that's literally what you got, my dude. Like, <laughs> this is what you wanted. And even Inger says, like, how do you know what your prayers may have set in action? And I love her. And I love how she kind of knows the whole time. And I think that's why she's granted this grace. Yeah. Ugh, yeah. I, I can't. She's the wisest character. Yeah. And I love how it's like, okay, he's crazy or he's not crazy he's jesus or he's not jesus but like the ending still happens like the mm -hmm. ending is inevitable and that is the beauty of this movie i think yeah that it doesn't answer questions Ugh. i love the way in which this movie reveals its characters through the actions that are happening in the story like because you don't really get a lot Tell of alone time with each no. of the characters yeah for example, like I think the twenty, the first twenty minutes, I was cold because I didn't really have a way in. Mm -hmm. Like you know, Johannes is crazy or whatever, or you know, mm -hmm. has something going on with mm -hmm. him. But like I didn't feel anything for what's the patriarch's name? Morton. Morton. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't know what to make of him. And totally, I think that's why too. The scene where he goes with Anders mm -hmm. to talk to the girl's father, because then he reveals himself. Yeah, and you get the fact that like, you know. It, you just you get so much of his character and standing up for their sex, standing up for his son, yeah. Like the f the relationship he has with the rest of the town, yeah. And the way that he talks to that guy Peter, I think his name is, yeah, Anne's uh, father, yeah. And uh, you just kind of get the whole thing there, mm -hmm. and just the scene where because Anne's father so quickly dismisses Anders, like, no, absolutely not. Mm -hmm. He's like, is it because I'm not good enough? He's like, yes, you're not good enough. <laughs> and he's like, in fact, leave right now because I have people coming over. <laughs> And then when Morton comes over later, it's like this, it's almost like a scene from The Godfather. It is. I thought of that because it's really? like, he comes in and it's like, have a seat, make some coffee. Yeah. Like, it's this whole sit down. Yeah. And, and they come while the meeting is happening, right? Yeah. 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 And they just sit there. Yeah. Which is such a power move. Such a power move. <laughs> They're like, you're in trouble. I know. But no, just the, the, um, and the way that Peter so much more respects Morton than Anders, like the fact that he's willing him to grant, willing yeah. to grant him this sit down time that he did not grant. Well, he also Anders. wants to like kind of convert him. Yeah. But yeah. I feel like he only gets that in his head when he, he knows that Morton wants something from him. It's like, Oh, well, if you want my daughter, then yeah, sure. If you convert, like you can have her right now. <laughs> I know. In the way that women are just traded like goods, like a loaf of bread. But she loves him too. Luckily, they're actually in love. Let's yes. talk about, because I think oh, wait, this wait. Is... I just want to talk very oh, yeah, quickly, where, unless you're going to move no. on from that scene. I was going to say, I love when the two men are talking. It's like mm -hmm. the two, the two men, the, the patriarchs, the yeah. adults. And then, Anders and Anne are oh, in yeah. the kitchen with Sitting the mom. across from each other. And the mom is literally reading like the Bible or and some like sort Lazarus, of religious book. Lazarus rising, rising from the grave. Rising from the grave. Yeah. But also she's like, look at the pictures. Yeah. Like treating them like they're kids. And I she know. like pushes it towards Anne. And then I when know. Anders comes around to look, she's like, no, no, no. You sit over there. Like, I'll show it funny. to you. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why. It's, it's not that I didn't like that scene. I think just a lot of the like so much talking about like i'm this sect you're this sect and it's like that was a little no but i do like the scene but i will say i because i think this is this is my next point is just like this movie i think it's 
if there's like one definite takeaway we can take from this, like the one prescriptive thing about it, because I don't think anything is prescriptive about this movie. I don't think it's didactic at all. And all those people that do think it is like, I feel like they're kind of missing the point. But I think the only prescriptive thing about this movie is saying that organized religion is wrong. Like, I think that's the only like message he's sending. Right. Um, and it's not even through like the the priest, yes, a little bit, but it is more about this fight, right? It's it's this conflict between um, Peter the tailor and Morton, and they're both Christians. And he straight up, uh, Peter straight up tells Morton like, "You're not Christian. Like, I don't see you as Christian." And that's ridiculous. <laughs> You're gonna go to hell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then he wishes like death upon Inger if it's gonna convert him, yeah. even though he already believes in the same god as you i know it's crazy i and i think it's so well done yeah so so i think it so simply spells out the fanaticism exactly and uh yeah no absolutely i loved that and i think too just knowing that the the family wait what's the last name borgen borgen yeah the fact that you know that you know it's the light christianity it's the happy christianity it's the it's christianity the, about life about yeah. life and not punishing yourself and oh death God, yeah and, yeah so scary and i think you, after that you're immediately behind them totally yeah. um and i love morton's speech that he says there about like yeah ours is like the religion of life and enjoying life and of course that comes back in the end when they're literally screaming yeah. life um but i think the priest is really interesting the new minister the new minister yeah hmm Because I think that he more, like, it's not that he represents organized religion. I think he's more about, like, impersonal religion. Right, because he always has to go. Yeah. When he first showed, because their whole thing is like, oh, when's he going to show up and say hi? Oh, he hasn't said hi yet. And then he finally shows up and he's like, hi, nice to meet you. And they're like, do you want to? He's like, I got to go. Yeah. Like, you don't want to stay? No, I got to go. That's what I'm saying. It's like, and then later when Inga is dying. Yeah. And she's just survived for a second before she ultimately passes. But, like, He's like, oh, cool. She's okay. He's like, all right, well, I got to go. He says congratulations, even though the baby has just died. I know. And they're like having coffee, smoking cigars. That's a good point, because I actually just watched this movie earlier today, so I hadn't even given much thought to that minister character. But you're totally right. He's the impersonal. He's impersonal, very like one size fits all type of religion. And it's like, but the good thing about it is, yes, he is all of those things. Oh, I love when they're like, he seems like a nice fellow. And the dad's like, yeah, he's being paid to seem like a nice fellow. Um, I think. And of course, like he's awkward with Johannes and he says, like, shouldn't he be in a home? But I think that what's interesting about him is that, yes, he does represent all those things. But I don't think that Dreyer is necessarily saying that his belief, the priest's belief that like he says it a few times in the movie that miracles don't happen anymore. I don't I think that's a valid statement. I don't think Dreyer is like judging this priest for saying that. I think mm-hmm. it's just another way that Dreyer is like dry, driving home this idea that like everyone has different beliefs about God. Like everyone can have their own personal set of beliefs. Yeah. So while he does represent this very like impersonal polite religion, I still think his point is not like really talked down in the movie. Yes, of course, the whole movie ends in a miracle. But still, I, I think that Dreyer treats him pretty fairly. And I think that just shows that Dreyer is so good. And I think he treats the doctor really fairly, too. Because, yeah. again, him and the minister are the they're opposite. Always, but they're always together. Did you notice yeah, that? Yeah, they're yeah. always together. And it is very much these like jobs. Yeah, science and faith. Yeah. I don't know. It's just there's so much going on and there's so much that people are asking. And 
expressing about their thoughts and their feelings. And I love that dichotomy between the two Christianities, like the life and the death. I think that's so fascinating. But yeah, everything else I feel like it is, this movie is just saying like faith is a mystery. I don't think it is very, like some people wrote in Letterboxd like this is Christian propaganda. Like I don't think so at all. I think it's like, yeah, like you could have miracles happen to you if you have faith or they could not happen to you or they can happen to you if you don't have faith. Like look how, because look at Mika, like he doesn't believe in God and look what happens to him. His wife comes back (laughs) from the dead. Yeah, yeah. He would be punished if it was a super Christian, yeah. you know, like propaganda you can, story. Yeah. And then like, I love the sign, the the thing that Morton says about like how he was praying because like um, he thought like it's, I might as well. Like he didn't really have that much faith that an actual physical change could happen. But he mm-hmm. was like, I believe in God. I might as well. And like, that's part of it too. And he, again, Dreyer's not talking that down, I don't think. He's yeah. presenting it all. Like, look at Morton. He really does believe in God, but like, he said that himself. It came out of his own mouth. Yeah. Like, it's just, and, yeah, I love how gray it is. Yeah. And all about them believing in their own ways. And the fact that Johannes's uh, point of view seems sacrilegious. And yeah. like they get mad at him and they're like, don't do that. He's like literally offending them. Yes. He's like, you guys didn't believe hard enough and now she's dead. And like, yes. I'm going to bring her back. And they're like, bro, sit down. Yeah. Like, shut up. <laughs> like Morton says to him several times, like, go to your room. Like, that's enough. They're so mean to him. Do you remember what happened? He's happens? super annoying though. Who? Johannes. You think? Yeah. He's I would have that. I would have threw that guy out the window. So they're so mean. Remember when he like faints after Inger has died? Yeah. And someone, I think Morton's like, has, um, is he dead? And then uh, Mikael's like, no, like these ones don't die. And then the dad is like, yeah, like we haven't even been granted that blessing. Yeah. So something really fucked up along those lines. Well, I kind of. You agree though, and that's okay. I agree, because he's a burden to the family, but also they don't want to put him in a thing. Now that makes me sound like a terrible person, but you could, obviously he seems. I, I think especially not framed with the ending of the film, like knowing what the end is. Mm-hmm. He's just like a nuisance. Like, you you he's know, a burden. he's a he burden. It's and sad. it's like, you know. But they him... also don't want to put him in a yeah. in a house, yeah. which shows that. that they get. I mean, we'll get to my favorite sound, but I think it really accent, like uh, emphasizes this point. <laughs> um, yeah. And then, you know what I loved? The obituary. How oh, it yeah. really lingers on how only Morton and Anders' names are there because Johannes has already run away at this point. Yeah, it's so sad, and yeah. you know that's why he's holding on there for so long. Like, yeah. Ugh. Well, it's interesting because I know that Dreyer did not have a, a happy childhood with his yeah. with his adoptive with his parents. adoptive parents. Yes, yeah. and because in this film, the daughter's name is Inga, like the young daughter, one of the two daughters little yeah 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 so it's just interesting like he's passing on like he could but i wonder what the name is in the play yeah i don't know oh true true (laughs) 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 but yeah i don't know and thinking about johannes is like yeah it's like this guy could be completely insane but also like a lot of people thought jesus was insane Mm -hmm. and how can anyone be fully sane by human definitions if they're in cohorts with god like it's just Right. All of these things are burning under the surface and I love it. Yeah, and he has the and whole I, thing when Inga comes out of it and she's okay and he's like, oh, I see death coming oh for her. Oh my God, I love and Sure that enough, she, she's dead. The headlights. Ooh. Oh, the headlights. Yeah, because like, I see him with the, um, what's it called? Scythe. 
This guy, the, but the other thing he says, oh, I shit. always forget this name. Something like the Grim Reaper has. No, 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 oh, the, the time. yeah, yeah, the the sand timer or the What's hourglass, hourglass. hourglass. Yeah. <laughs> Why could we not remember that word? <laughs> hourglass. That's creepy. Yeah, and then Morton's like, "No, that's just the doctor's headlights." Yeah, and then sure enough, Anders comes out of the room and he's like, "She's dead." Miko. Oh, pff, duh. Of course, Miko. I think <laughs> it's time to talk about the ending. I don't know. This it ends kind of just on a whimper. <laughs> it's like a non-ending. <laughs> it, it ends on a question mark. Yeah. It um okay. How emotionally charged is that I scene? Because I think so much stuff is building in this film. Yeah. Through that part, like emotion-wise, like people are just barely holding it together. Like yes. obviously the first crisis that happens to this family, well, Johannes, which started before the film starts, but the first one we see is the the Her. Anders and oh that one yeah crisis, which is mild, and yeah. from there each of them just, <laughs> it just gets, escalate. It escalates all the way. But people keep it relatively together. Like totally. Miko keeps it together when until she's like end. not doing well until the very, very end. Yeah, but like Morton kind of keeps it together. Yeah. The kids are aware of what's happening, but they're like they're strangely, strangely aware. Yeah, they're like, oh, is mom dying? And you know. Then of course, like they really try and sell that, like, oh, they're too young, and also like the faith of children. Right. And... But you get that emotional release at the end. It's like so cathartic. Firstly, I would just like to. Sh- point out how effortlessly and easily he shows that Inger is the heart of this family like she is the light in this household she's there before we we don't even know they have kids we don't even know children live in this house it's just her as this like feminine source of light she's keeping the house together yeah so I just love that it's so effort we all fall in love with her so quickly and then of course she's the one taken away and it's yeah I don't know. It's just, it's beautiful. It's hard. Yeah. I love when she's humming. Do you remember when she's humming? Like she's doing, I think it's just when Mikael's like leaving the house. She's cooking or she's, she's doing something in the kitchen and she's humming. And then it, it carries over into the next scene. Do you remember that? Mm, I don't know if I caught that. It's just one of those beautiful little like touches, touches of this woman. It's like a little stamp. It's like a little stamp. Exactly. (laughs) With a wax, Um, a wax stamp. As I have said, it was a little spoiled for me in the end because of the website. But as I also said before, it didn't really matter. So walk me through. I want to know what was going on in your mind. (laughs) Okay. You could kind of tell it was the final scene. Yes. And obviously it's incredibly tragic because it's that scene where she's in the coffin. Like the whole family is finally processing her death. And especially in Mikol, who is sobbing over her body, like sobbing. And your heart just breaks because he's a good guy. Like, you care. It's a good family. You care about these people. They're decent people. Yeah. And so I thought I started to tear up when uh, Peter, the tailor, comes in with Anne and it's like, I'm so sorry what I said. Like, here's Anne. Like, you guys can go be together. <laughs> you your, your family. He's literally trading her. <laughs> yeah. It's like, here, she's oh, part of your family now. died here. Take another one. No, but that's where I started tearing up. And I was like, oh, my God. That's, it, you know, at least, you know, we yeah. get a bittersweet ending. Like, Inga died, but we get Anne. And maybe she'll become the new Inga. And you'll have a Godfather part two. Sorry, or debt part two. <laughs> where, so, wait, Inga's Apollonia? <laughs> yeah, she's Apollonia. Yeah. And then in part three, uh, <laughs> Anne really takes a turn for the dark side <laughs> and shoots the whole family in their sleep, like in the Amityville horror. Oh no, God. but um, 
so that was a sweet enough ending for me. I was like on board with them. I'm like, okay. And I was like tearing up. And then they throw that wrench in where you didn't see it coming. Johannes comes through the you door. Didn't Honestly, see it I did not see it coming. Really? I really did not see it coming. I okay. did not see a resurrection coming. Really? And maybe that's my own blindness. Like, <laughs> you're not again. <laughs> I honestly did not see it coming. Why would her lid, why would the lid be open that long? Like, why would she be <laughs> Extended there? grieving, yeah. yeah. No, but I mean, when it happened. I'm when... so happy for you. That's incredible. <laughs> yeah, I, Continue. Didn't, I didn't see it coming. I really didn't. Sometimes I'm bad with like. That's okay. Predict. It's funny because Molly is so quick. Like we'll be watching something neither of us have seen. She'll be like, I bet this happens and this happens later. And sure enough, that happens. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'm bad at like predicting like mm-hmm. the tropes. Mm-hmm. Maybe I should be more aware. But like, no, I, I. I mean, it wasn't outside the realm of possibility, but I wasn't like, oh, she's going to resurrect. Like, she's coming back. Like, <laughs> she's back. Yeah, I thought the Anne thing was a, a nice was enough it? thing. Yeah. And then, but when Johannes walks in, you're like, okay, well, there's another wrench in here. He's back and he's like, in quotes, back to normal. I know. He says that. He says, I do have my wits about me now. Yeah. And, that, uh, that I didn't see. I'm like, okay, well, we're going to get a different ending here. And I think from that moment, I was like, okay, so. Uh, of course, the little girl walks in and she says, Uncle, do the thing. Right. <laughs> of course, he brings her back. Um, not so unlike, actually, it's very unlike, but it still made me think of Uncle Isaac from Fanny and Alexander. Aww, that's really sweet. Yeah. Um, um, not that he brings back anyone from the dead. <laughs> but he is mysterious and has performs a miracle. That's true. That's How true. did Fanny and yeah. Alexander get out there? Yeah. That's a miracle. But... Yes, when she comes back, because the camera, like he says his thing, the camera lingers on, lingers on her. You get that close up of her fingers. And I'm like, oh, they're gonna do it. No, sure but it's enough, not close. What close of the fingers? When her fingers move, it's not a close up. I don't think so. It's like more of a medium shot or something. I'll check, but I don't. Anyway, so you see her fingers move. You see exactly. And I'm like, it's oh, that they're jitter. doing yeah. it exactly. And I at first I was like, wait, how do I feel about this? How do I feel about this? <laughs> And then I was like completely on board. And yes. I think too, it's funny because while I was watching it, I wanted the daughter who's watching it happen. She starts smiling and she looks up at Johannes. I'm like, this is going to be the last That's shot. That's what I thought too. And then it kept going and I was like bummed for a second. But then I ultimately, yeah, 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 the, yeah. I think they made the right call. I think so too. <laughs> I think Dreyer knows better than me. His instincts are better than me. But yes, uh, it was powerful. It was overwhelming. It's, yeah, it was a, it was a miracle. It was a miracle. So why don't you walk me through since you kind of knew? Well, yes, I kind of knew just strictly because if you go on our website right now, you could see the picture. It's literally her like (laughs) standing up. (laughs) But I thought, hmm, maybe I got like maybe we should change the photo. Maybe it was like a behind the the scenes. Honestly, we probably should change the photo. Oh, you think? Yeah, because then if someone hasn't seen it, they're going through our episodes. Like, because if it spoiled it for you. Okay. So never mind. It's actually a different photo we have up right now. (laughs) Sorry. Continue. So for me, it really started like it's long, right? And it's stretching out that scene. And I was like, okay, okay, okay. But then it really starts for me when those freaking horses come in and they're wearing hoods and it's the procession, right? It's the carriage and the horses. And I just love the morbidity of death in this. Like those horses are creepy as hell. Okay. And then I love when yeah like even before though the morbidity the the death in this movie is so so morbid i love when johannes says 
oh, there's the man with the hourglass. Like, it's this chilly. And then Mikel, like, describes her dying in his arms. He says, like, her lips turned blue. Like, I felt her. She yeah. was in my arms. Like, it's very explicit. I love his line when he says, um, everything I loved and worshipped is not to be buried in the earth to rot to rot like he says rot like three times yeah and then those horses show up and when morton is trying to get him up and get him away from the coffin he says he says like oh you know like her soul is in heaven and then uh Mikel says but her body is here i loved her body too it's it's very much this and of course it's it's these like kind of corporeal illusions are part of his whole agnostic atheism about like, yes, this earth is what matters. And like this, the, the body. And I loved all of that. And yeah. I was so on board. I'm like, Oh my God. And like the fact that the, the lid is open and yeah, it's just a lot about like loving life, you know? And then, okay. So then I was like, you I kind of knew where it was going, as I said, so I'm watching it, I'm watching it. Right. And then you don't actually want to believe he's going to go there. At least I didn't. Like, I was like, there's no way. There's no way he's going to go there. There's no way this is going to happen. You think, like, this is way too outrageous. It's such a grounded film. Exactly. And then I was watching it and I'm like, wait a second. This is a movie. And miracles happen in movies. <laughs> and there's no reason a miracle shouldn't happen in this movie. And it's like, I'm not saying miracles don't happen in real life, but the majority of miracles in our real life happen in movies. Yeah. And so this moment, the, the heavens opened in like cinema heaven and this miracle happened. And, and, and right before it happened, right? Right when he's about to say the prayer i literally i'm like let it happen i'm like come on let's go like i'm ready and then it did and it was sweet release yes. and it was just uh, miraculous i it's, think is too little a word the way too that she opens her eyes so slowly so slow and she wakes up really confused yeah. and exactly it's like he goes there yeah. it's not and i another thing i really love about it is that it's such a personal event. Like the second she's starting to wake up, you kind of cut to the priest and the doctor and the priest is the one that like gets freaked out. But the doctor, did you notice? Yeah. That? Yeah. Makes him sit down and then we don't return to them. Like we never, after she wakes up, there's never like Johannes, how did you do that? Or like the priest saying like, this is blasphemy. This is Satan. Like there's none of that. It's so um, personal, except of course you get um, Morton and Peter saying, Oh, it is it's a miracle and it's the same God. There's they have their cute little moment, but really it is focused on this married couple. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's why I love it so much. Like yes. I was trying to figure out, I'm like, what is the formula here that's making this so perfect? Like there's something going on here. Maybe it's a higher power. I don't know. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it's just because the majority of the movie has been asking these questions with no end in sight, and this is the end. Like this has to be the end, yeah. I felt. Like it's Ugh. And just everything coming together it's too. Exactly like the way Mikkel. she wakes up, Mikael, the way they embrace, the way she like gnaws at his cheek. Oh yes. It's like erotic. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. You even see like some spit, like a spit line oh my that God, forms. It's incredible. Straight, yeah. It's pure life. Like yeah. that that kind of very I it is. It's erotic, honestly. Yeah. Um Yeah. Maybe it's the little girl smiling too. That I really thought that was the ending too. Yeah, I thought I was it was like, gonna oh, they're gonna like they're gonna fade out here. Um, and then, but Noah, you know what it is? 
I think I know what it is. I think it's the like it's all of that. But then the perfect punctuation mark is the exit music. Yes. That over black. Over black. For like 30 seconds, something like that. Just so you can literally wipe your face Take and continue breath. to sob <laughs> over this music. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it doesn't get better than that. Yeah. I thought that was yeah, one of the best endings I've ever seen and will ever see in my life. Wow, high praise. High, high praise. Holy praise, if I may. <laughs> I don't it's know. It's just so earned. Like, it's, it's just so... Yeah. yeah. Because the movie for the last hour really puts you in a pretty bleak place with the oh things that are God, happening to I this know. family. And that's like a genuine sense of relief and, and ray of sunlight. It's just so cathartic. The most and, uh, cathartic. It's. I want to talk too because I forgot to bring it up earlier. But just about uh, Mikel's like matter of factness. Obviously, yeah. he's like the atheist, but like when he when the baby dies in yeah. childbirth and he comes out and Morton asks him, "So is it a boy?" and he goes, "Yeah." And he's like, "It's in four pieces in Ugh. a bucket or something." It's like, "Oh my!" That's God. what I mean when I say it's very morbid. He's very morbid. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why I brought that up. I was just <laughs> no. That's that really that pops out. Yeah. But then he even when she wakes up and she's like, "Is the baby alive?" Oh yeah, yeah. And yeah. then it twists right because in that time when oh. he's saying it, he's being very like he's talking about like body, right? But then right. It, when she asks him, he goes, "Oh yeah, he's alive in heaven." It's just the perfect like. He's an look instant at this believer. Character change, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I liked something that Roger Ebert said about this movie. Go I know for it. we're going to do Pauline in a second, but Roger Ebert said, and I totally agree with this when I read it. He said, for the ordinary film goer, and I include myself, Ordet is a difficult film to enter, but once you're inside, it's impossible to escape. I agree. That's the movie. I have a quote from Dreyer, oh. not about this movie, but just about his whole It's like his kind morning routine, like yeah, brush, so this brush is teeth, from, comb your hair. This is from his book, Dreyer in Double Reflection. You know, you know in Tar, when he's, when she's being interviewed by Adam Gopnik and he's like, your new book, Tar on Tar. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, that's what I always think of now yeah. with these autobiographies. I think... Kishlowski's book is called Kishlowski on Kishlowski. Yeah, there's Cassavetes <laughs> on Cassavetes. Yeah. yeah. It's just funny. Um, here's <laughs> what he said. I just really liked this. This is the task of any creative artist to let himself be inspired by reality and after that withdraw from it in order to give the work the form that the inspiration suggested to him. Therefore, the director must have the liberty to transform reality so that it will correspond to the inspired, simplified scene he has standing in his consciousness. For it is not the director's aesthetic sense that should yield the reality. No, the opposite. Reality should obey his aesthetic sense. Mm, fascinating. Beautiful. Yeah, yeah. And it just explains that last scene because, yes, you're watching it and you're like, there's no way this is going to happen. Yeah. But then you're like, it should happen. It's a movie. Yeah. And oh, it does. I know. And it's beautiful. I know. <laughs> good, good talk. This has been fun. I like when we agree. <laughs> I like when we disagree, too. I like when we agree and it's a masterpiece. This is rare. This happens for like our Powell and Pressburger movies. No, I feel like there are good. I mean, it's the sight and sound list. So there's a lot of all-timers but on where here. we're both so into it not really that's true maybe like one of us is a little bit more into it than the other person yeah. i feel like 
honestly, like 80% of the time we agree more or less so like too. pretty big. But in that 80%, how, how many times is it like a drier masterpiece like this? Maybe not. <laughs> Maybe not that many. I don't know. Just when you do sight and sound. Yeah. Why don't you go first? What's okay. your favorite sight? My favorite sight is you kind of mentioned it earlier. It's when Johannes says like, oh, the man with the hourglass is back. And then he leaves the shot. And then, of course, Mikel enters the shot and you know what's happened. Yeah. Like, it's just purely from the design of the shot and the blocking. You know exactly what's happened before anything is said. And I think that is an amazing shot. Nice. It is. Like, it's amazing that it achieves that. There's so many shots like that, right? In the movie that are kind of like one person leaving, one person coming. Let me point your attention here. Let me point it there. But there's something about that one where it's like you knew. You knew exactly when Johannes said that, that she was going to die. And then, he, oh, sure enough, he comes in. It's, yeah. yeah. Wow, it's powerful. It's so powerful. Yeah. What about you? I think I'm going to settle on, so there's a moment when you think Inge is going to die. Mm-hmm. And it's not looking so great. And then she's okay. She pulls through for a second. She pulls through and uh, Mikkel and Morton go in there. And Morton like grabs Mikkel's hand like in in ecstasy and in in just like happiness and they're like looking over her as she's like awake in bed Mm -hmm. and like it's this great moment where like Mm -hmm. she's been dying for like the last 20 minutes of this movie and it's like you know the baby died in a really terrible way and like but you do get that nice little moment before she dies again (laughs) before she she dies again (laughs) yeah Um, and the real sounds of her labor like that's that's something I'll never forget. That's that's a yes. that's a speck I'll never forget that I'll carry with me forever. I'm so glad I did not know that. So I'm so You're glad crazy. that you mentioned that. Um, but no, I just love it's a real family victory, you know, for it is. a family. That's a very powerful. It's shot. this. It's this really great moment, and and I uh, love how much Morton loves her. Yeah, like she's really like his daughter. Like there's no difference. There's no daughter-in-law no. aspect at all. No. She really is like his daughter. Yeah, it's very heartwarming. And he punch he punches Peter for it when Peter says like yeah I hope she does die if that's what the Lord wants and if it's gonna change you yeah even though you already believe in him it's so, ridiculous so it's fucking so catty. messed up. What's <laughs> um, your favorite sound? Okay, so my favorite sound it, it it is the exit music, but it is also before before I reached the exit music. Um, it's the moment where Johannes has run away and Morton is on a hill. Oh, yeah. And he calls out his name and music is playing. And I think it might be the same music as it is in the end, but it's just that music and there's so much despair in his voice. And he's, I feel like he regrets the things he said about his son and he, he's just sad and he's already lost a daughter-in-law and just the way he calls out to him really broke my heart. It's like in Dennis the Menace where uh, <laughs> Walter Matthau was too mean to Dennis and he runs away and he's like out looking for him. Yeah, and he's that replaying breaks my heart. <laughs> <laughs> well, I really didn't think we'd be talking about Dennis the Menace this episode. Well, let's, let's play your let's sound clip it. right now. Yeah, it's heartbreaking. That shot too is 
stunning bridges, yeah. on that grassy hill. Mm-hmm. Oh my god! And that's the village that the author of the play uh, wow. lived it's, and preached. It's powerful. Yeah. What about you? I'm gonna pull a Jackie, and I have two. Yay! <laughs> One because it's me. One is just the wind howling. Of course. Because it's howling like the whole movie. It's great. It adds so much of a vibe and an atmosphere. I knew it. The second that wind howled, I'm like, Greg's going to love this. And it's the first two minutes. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Let's hear it right now. so moody yeah um and then my second favorite sound is at that final scene before she's resurrected uh morton says when when mikel is crying over inga's body he says oh thank god now the tears have come Aww. and it's just like because you know it, when a loved one passes away there's yeah. this sense of shock where you don't always cry immediately and it's like sometimes you don't cry for a few days a few weeks a few months some people don't cry for a few years yeah and just that moment of release where you finally just like let it all out was like a really beautiful moment of like morton really sad but just morton acknowledging it and uh yeah it's really nice let's, let's hear it oh kushkalo no great line i love a lot of the dialogue in this movie yeah it's really fantastic yeah apparently he chopped down a lot of it um there was a lot more in the play i mean obviously a play is it has a lot of dialogue but yeah you know for for how much it kind of feels like a play but like in the best possible way it didn't feel like overly wordy which was great so yeah honestly good on him i didn't know that but good on him for chopping it down because it feels yeah. like the right amount as it is now yeah but it has beautiful insights like the one you just said. Yeah. That's lovely. Yeah, yeah. All right. Pauline. <laughs> Let's do Pauline. Pauline Kale. Okay, Jackie. Oh, no. That's bad news. <laughs> Carl Dreyer made two emotionally overpowering great films, The Passion of Joan of Arc and Day of Wrath. He also made the visually and conceptually daring Vampire. But Ordette, which the world press greeted as his masterpiece, may be considerably less than that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Oh, no. Some of us may find it difficult to accept the holy madman protagonist driven insane by too close study of Kierkegaard, and even more difficult to accept Dreyer's use of the protagonist's home as a stage set for numerous entrances and exits, and altogether impossible to get involved in the factional strife between bright, happy Christianity and dark, gloomy Christianity, represented as they are by people sitting around drinking vast quantities of coffee. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Um, Yeah, kind of a... Is that it? Yeah, I mean, that's... that's... Oh, my God. The coffee. That is hilarious. Yeah. So, uh, I disagree, Pauline. Although, I have not seen Day of Wrath. Have you seen that one? No. should watch that soon. Um, But, come on. Pauline, yeah, give me a break. Yeah, that's wild. The coffee, it's so funny, the things that, like, stand out to people. Because even on Letterboxd, I saw people talk about the coffee. Yeah. Because um, it's this treat. 
they're all it's rural like it's this treat like oh bake coffee with the real coffee beans and like we're having a guest over brew the coffee oh is this why you made coffee to give me this news (laughs) it's a thing i will say i don't know if anyone out there has seen um goodbye first love the movie i mentioned the mia hansen love movie that i just watched it had a similar thing in there but scarves this has got to be the ultimate scarf movie. I mean, a character is wearing a scarf in every single scene, taking <laughs> it off, putting it on. There's is it so, fall or winter? It's winter. It's all seasons, but it's um, when it's cold, it's cold, and they're all always wearing scarves, even if it's not even that cold outside. This is a scarf movie, and nice. I need to know if anyone else has noticed this. So, <laughs> if you've seen the movie and you noticed that, let me know. I I wanna I wanna hear from you. Letterboxed. Yes. Okay, I have a five-star review here. Okay. Even on a second viewing, after over a year of time between seeing Ordet last, Dreyer's film still brought me to tears. An unimaginable act, considering how religious-themed the movie is and my views on religion or lack thereof. They, they write more, but I just felt like, That's yes, great. absolutely. Like yes. You don't need to be religious to right. find deeper meaning and, and be moved by this film. Right. Okay, five stars. This person starts with a Jonathan Rosenbaum quote. I've long believed that the two summits of mise-en-scene in the history of cinema are Carl Dreyer's Ordette and Jacques Tati's Playtime. Mm. Because Jonathan Rosenbaum isn't wrong. Because this shot. Because the ending is perhaps the most simple, confounding, shocking, inevitable, breathtaking, breath-giving in all of cinema. Wow. What a great review. Wow. That's so cool. Interesting. This and Tati. Yeah. God. Uh, This one doesn't have a star rating, but it just says, I don't know where to start. This is a deeply Christian film, but the atheist character is never treated as a fool or a sinner. There are arguments, but it never crosses a line. Though there is a conversion eventually, it's such a profound and powerful moment that it does not feel like a sermon. Honestly, anyone who watches this and does not want the miracle to occur is a cold, hard asshole. Uh, I'm rambling a bit. I think this was beautiful. It's a religious film about tolerance and love. It's about miracles, large and small, and about faith. It manages to illustrate so many interesting concepts without becoming dry and didactic by making them fundamental parts of the characters and making the characters real. Mm -hmm. It left me in tears. Yes, same. That was great. Uh, I have a one star here. One star. Seriously, what's in that coffee? I want some of that. (laughs) Uh, here's half a star. Ooh. Watched 15 minutes and bailed. <laughs> Perhaps it improves, but what I managed to see was catatonic, intellectually pretentious, and with a minimum of sensation. Okay. <laughs> a minimum of okay. sensation. Okay. Um. <laughs> Four and a half stars. Guy has delusions of being Christ after getting into Kierkegaard. Okay, so me in 12th grade philosophy class. <laughs> uh, this is my last one. One star. This one's also very funny. The kind of almost impossibly boring piece that put generations off foreign language film. What? <laughs> Some nice shots on the dunes in the first five minutes. Then I suggest you don't waste the following two hours. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, two and a half stars. Why does everyone walk and talk so slowly in this film? <laughs> well, there's more, but I'm I'm not gonna 
I'm not going to pollute our episode. Yeah, let's not pollute it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this has been Ordette. It's been really, really fun. I can see in your face you're very happy that (laughs) we so strongly agreed on this one. I am because this is what movies are for, I feel like, this kind of movie. This kind of movie? like kind of fellowship. A life-affirming but here's the thing yeah i'm not really into life and this is the whole point like life affirming movies i'm not usually that into but then but then you go back and you look at your favorite movies or at least i have and i can't help but think that yeah most of them are pretty life affirming but like on the in general i wouldn't want to sit down and watch like a life affirming movie I also think because this one sh- surprises you and it's life. It's not life affirming the whole time. I think that's like the so last great. five minutes. If yeah. even. Yeah. <laughs> a movie can't be just life affirming. No, no. Be... Cause then it's just, it's uh yeah. Fluff. It's yeah. shit. It's uh yeah. <laughs> no, actually that's not true. I no. think you've got mail is pretty life affirming the whole way through. Oh, that's 100%. pretty great. <laughs> yeah. Um, like Ikiru, for example. Oh yeah. Sure. It's like, so it, similar to this. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. That yeah. kind of life. Like that's my brand of life. Yeah. Okay. But no, I think it is so beautiful that we both agree on this movie. Yeah, I think it's a it's, it's something beautiful. It yeah. really is. Um, well, that was our debt. Next mm-hmm. week, I just looked at the thing. I forgot what our film is next week, and I just got really excited because it's one of the great films of the seventies. Maybe I'm showing my hand too early. Uh, it's Chinatown. Oh, nice! It's Chinatown, Roman Polanski's Chinatown. So uh, yes, next week we'll be digging into some I'm L.A. Excited. noir. I like Chinatown. It's so good. Yeah. Well, we just showed our hands, but <laughs> but also, you know what? It's been a few years since I've seen the movie. No, when was I the last like time it. you saw it? It's been a while. Ye- probably years. Yeah. Cool. So this will be. Like I like a, it. Don't it'll be get a fresh me wrong. thing. Yeah. Yeah, but now that everyone fun. knows we both like it, but that's okay. That's okay. Yeah. Who doesn't like Chinatown? Probably a lot of people. <laughs> anyway, until next week, I'm Greg. <sighs> I'm Jackie, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Seen and Heard is an official podcast of the Arroyo Film Club, featuring Greg Kleinschmidt and Jacqueline Postagion. Theme music by Andrew Cox. If you like what you heard, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. If you have any questions, comments, or you just want to say hi, email us hello at seenandheardpod.com or visit our website, www.seenandheardpod.com.